This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the 1912 Exiles podcast, the Newport County podcast made by the fans for the fans. I'm Jamie Harris. Now, earlier this week, we shared a deep dive discussion into all of the off the field matters ahead of the big trust vote on the 28th of September. If you haven't listened to that, I thoroughly recommend that you do. Gareth Lehman and Nigel Dutson, a former chair of the Supporters Trust NLS, both joined Ed to talk through the trust model versus private ownership uh, conundrum. It's, it's a really excellent listen. I really recommend you go back and, and listen to that episode. Now, we're recording this episode on Thursday, the 21st of September. So at the time of recording, we're still in the dark about who the preferred bidder is, what their vision for the club might be, or what role they envisage for the trust and fans under their ownership. While we wait for that announcement and further bid details, we thought it would be pertinent to speak to the preferred bidders about why they're making an offer to invest in Newport County. Now, joining me exclusively on the pod today is John Pratt, part of one of the bids put to the club. We've heard bits and pieces about the Hugh Jenkins bid in various media outlets, and we're aware of his work at Swansea City, but we've heard comparatively little about John, his investment partner, and their reasons for placing an offer on the table. Now, in terms of transparency and for full disclosure, we at 1912 Excels Towers have also reached out to Hugh Jenkins, inviting him onto the pod to discuss the same things we're discussing with John Pratt today. Uh, You won't be hearing any bid-specific details here that are subject to NDAs between bid parties and the club. But as a fan-owned club, we feel listeners would be interested to hear more about the backgrounds and the skill sets of those various bids. Um, Also, as a podcast, we're not taking a particular stance on on a bid or on the vote itself next week, uh, and we're just willing to offer a platform to any other bidding party on the same terms. We hope you find this discussion enlightening, regardless of your voting intentions. Well, John Pratt, welcome to the 1912 XLs podcast. Thank you for coming on. Hi, Jamie. Absolute pleasure. Good to be here. I'm actually a fan of the podcast myself, so it's a, a real joy to be on with you. Music to my ears. Music to my ears. So um, just for a bit of clarity for our listeners, and as a reminder, the, the Trust are to have a vote next Thursday, the 28th of September, at a special general meeting. Uh, that's where the board will put forward a preferred bidder. So at the meeting, members will be able to consider and vote on a proposal to sell a majority shareholding in the football club to a new investor and owner in the club. Now, 
John, I think the best place to start here with yourself is to hear a little bit about yourself and your background and the bidding party. So could you just give us like a, in a nutshell, brief intro to John Pratt? Yeah, well, thank you, Jamie. Um, I, I'm pleased to have the opportunity, really. Um, I think I'll, I'll broadly start with the bidding party. I mean, there's two of us. Um, the word consortium has been used. It's a bit of a grand word. There's actually two of us. Um, I'll start with myself. We are both of us, actually. We're both Newport County fans from different directions that I'll explain, but we're both very avid Newport County fans. My background is pretty straightforward. I was born and raised in Newport, born in Pill, raised in Ringland, a product of Hartridge School for my sins. Um, I was trying to do the, uh, the, the ma- mathematics on it, but I think I've been to around 200 Newport County fixtures and I got the gray hair to prove it. Um, most of them from the Cromwell end at Summerton Park, but also from the Hazel Terrace. My background is I've built a career both in Europe and the last 20 years in the U.S. building companies from the small, around 30 million or so, to very, very large multi-billion dollar corporations in the life science space, actually. Um, board experience uh, on the board of a number of companies, and my MBA was from New York University. Um, I currently live in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. My partner, his story is, uh, his name is Dan Donahue. Um, he currently resides in Wisconsin. He has a home in Florida as well. He developed a passion for Newport County with his other interests in the UK. Um, he has family there. Uh, he has racehorses stabled there uh, and other sporting interests in the UK. He fell in love with the exile story um, and the story of being in exile and returning to the Football League. Dan became a Newport County fan a long time ago. He actually travels from Rodney Parade from his home in Chicago. So he travels to the parade from his home in Chicago. So I don't know if it's he or I that travels further. Um, he's been a trust member for some time, way before this process began, um, and, and built a total passion for the, for the club. Um, his career is, is far more impressive than mine, I think. He's built a career in merchant bank- banking. He specifically focused on company turnarounds, making companies profitable, um, make, turning companies that weren't profitable into profitable enterprises, uh, working on distressed companies. Uh, he retired what I would call early, uh, and his deep financial acumen makes me look like a, an amateur, really. He's, a, he's really the real deal. Amazing. Well, thanks for sharing. Um, I think, yes, yeah, sort of intriguing partnership. I mean, well, you mentioned like the sort of like company turnaround, making companies profitable. We'll get to that element because that's something like obviously we as as fans and as trust members are really interested in hearing about. But I think maybe the best place to start here and the question really on everyone's lips to any prospective bidder, but particularly yourselves, is is why why have you made this offer? Look, we're, we're both united by a passion for Newport County. Um, we, we love it. And for our sins, we absolutely love the club. And my, my history is, as I've described, and Dan's came a little later, as I call it. Um, you know, we, we, we're keen to defend its long-term existence, and we're concerned about the same. Um, both Dan and I are driven by a number of motivations. I'd say the first is a desire to help. Our initial interest, we both reached out, realizing that the club may be challenged uh, to help, really. And, and as the process developed, we realized we, we kind of had to make a bid together. So it was really a desire to help us got us first involved. We realized that uh, there was some financial needs of the club and perhaps as importantly, some need for uh, fiscal stability, financial acumen um, that seemed to be a bit lacking. And so we've put a bid together. Okay. Okay. That's, yeah, that's interesting. Let's, let's come on to that because naturally, like, I mean, the challenges of running any football club, like they're in a trust run football club yeah there are financial challenges to it um particularly in the lower leagues um 
And yeah, you you alluded to the fact that yeah, Newport County's sort of been through through the mill a little bit um in in the last well seven years, let alone beforehand. Um but as a lower league club though, as Newport County, you mentioned like making companies profitable. Is there a way to sort of realistically achieve that sort of profitability and success that the fans ultimately want at the same time? Or is it merely a case of kind of uh, walking before you can run, making the club sustainable, making it able to sort of operate on its own two feet. Um, what are your views on that? Yeah, and I will not get into the details of our initial. Sure, bid, of course, yeah. But I, yeah. But I, but I think you know it, it's very fair to say that um, our experiences. You've got to. I think you use the term "walk before you can run." You have to have a firm financial foundation. Uh, you can't be constantly bailing the club out every single month, every single year, and there's ways to do that very very we've we in our diligence we've seen very very easy ways to do that from our perspective um it does require focus on football maximizing the assets you put on the field i won't say more than that because i won't get into the details of our bids but um yeah most definitely it's building that firm financial foundation that protects the club for the long term you can't just keep surviving on burning you know an influx of cash every few years and then looking for more so I think you're right to call it walking before you run a little bit, but I put it more build that firm financial foundation. We're also uh, being honest with you. We're also not foolish. Um, we have the financial capacity. We're both um, involved enough and wise enough to know that this is not a small investment. No matter what the initial bids are, the club requires millions of pounds um, to be sustainable. Now, um, both Dan and I have been very fortunate to put ourselves in a position where that, that doesn't scare us. And in fact, I'd go further. I mean, I think about it like this. If you have worked for a career and built some wealth, if you can't spend your money on things you love, what's the point? And it's not going to change our lives, but I think we're smart enough to know that this kind of investment um, is, is not insignificant. I guess, I guess one of my other questions I wanted to really touch on, because I mean, everyone knows that that you yourself, you, you're co-opted um, onto the board as a board member in, in February this year. We'd just be interested to hear a little bit about your involvement since, since February. What, yeah. What's that been now? What, eight, eight months or so? Yeah. Um, I first approached the club with an interest to invest in the club uh, in, a, in a minority capacity some time ago. And they invited me onto the board, actually Gavin at the time, the, the, the chairman invited me onto the board, really driven by the fact that it couldn't provide me any financial statements. Um, and they needed some financial help and they wanted me to come onto the board and get under the under the bonnet, so to speak, to, um, to, to see some of the financials. It was, I had requested financial statements from the club way back in November of the fall prior year. And it was pretty clear that unless I got involved, they were, they were going to be, they, it was hard for me, them to reveal their true financial statements to me. So my involvement really came out of an interest in investing. Um, and I've had very little involvement over the last eight months. I've actually recused myself, obviously, from this process. Sure. So whilst the board is making a decision, I've been completely recused from that process and I've had no visibility whatsoever to any bids that have come in for Newport County. So really my involvement was driven out of an interest to the, to the club back in February. And that really essentially sparked this entire process. Hmm. Well, you know, you've, you've been involved uh, in some capacity since February. It's not scared you off. You're still here. So um, <laughs> uh, um, I think one of the other things that we, we obviously 
you know, we're not going to talk about bids specifically, but we are obviously aware there is more than one bid um, for the club. Um, have you been in contact at all? Has there been any talk of a shared approach at all? Has there been any discussion of any kind? Um, and what I would say is from the very start, Dan and I have been very clear. We're open to anybody joining um, what you want to call a consortium or our group, if you like, that brings extra value. We're very realistic. We know that as Dan and I alone, for example, we don't have any football background to speak of. We know and are committed to installing a football experience CEO, a new board that will help. Those are things that we know we have to do. And if there were parties that could come on board and add that value as part of the investment opportunity, we've been that way from the start. As I, as I said at the very start, we, we wanted to help in a minority capacity to begin with, and it turned into a majority capacity as the bid process went along. So we're very realistic. Um, we're open, have been open, have reached out to any and all parties, but as yet, the board have not facilitated any conversations. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Um, I guess all of that's going to happen post whatever happens in the next week or so. Um, yeah, yeah, not really sure, but um, that's where we stand today. Yeah, I want to. I want to compliment Mr. Colin Everett. I think Colin has done an enormously challenging job. He has done the real heavy lifting here. He's done it unpaid, thankless task. Um, he's not involved in any decision making but he's done quite a phenomenal job with the process. And I want to personally take the opportunity to thank Colin for all of his unpaid hard work and expertise. Really Mm -hmm. excellent job by Colin. I can say to the audience, they have no idea how much work Colin has put in. It's enormous. That's wonderful to hear. Um, I mean, let's let's go back to sort of talking about your experiences and Dan's experiences as well. Um, Because you mentioned that, you know, you've, I mean, just then that you're, you're looking to bring in like football experience CEO, football experience acumen in that sense. But in terms of your experience, the sort of financial, the business experience, what kind of value is your experience going to bring to that, the, the club sort of more broadly? In essence, I think understanding the difference between cash flow, balance sheet and income statement, the basics of financial management, the club was really, um, without revealing details, really focused on cash flow, which tends to happen to distressed companies when they're constantly worrying about this crash flow. I think a back to basics approach on recapitalizing the balance sheet, um, fundamentally understanding the income statement in a given period rather than looking for future periods to supplement income, getting it back to the basics there, looking at all of your off-field costs and, 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 and where you can find opportunities there. But 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 fundamentally it's uh, it's also about being transparent, being transparent with the community about what you're trying to achieve. Using that transparency, I think, to drive feet through the door. Um, I think the town is is really keen to be involved. There's a massive role for the trust going forward. There's a massive role for the fan base. I come from Newport. I know we can often be glass half-empty folks. Um, but really, I think transparency helps. People will tend towards the negative if you're not very clear about what you're trying to achieve and why. Uh, it's one of the reasons I agreed to answer some of your questions today. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I think transparency is very important to to all of the fan base, actually. Um, and I think it it sounds like that's where you see the opportunity lying: connecting more with the city, connecting more with the fans of the club, and just sort of trying to sort of maybe bring them a little bit closer, bring them along the journey with you. Would Would you say that's fair? 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And without revealing all of the opportunities that we see, there are many. I mean, that, that that's part of it. It has to be a community club. We, we, we want to see Newport County in Newport um, without getting morbid for as long as we live. I mean, that's kind of fundamentally what, what drives us. That's almost the definition of love, really. Um, you know, but I'd also say this. We see opportunity in the United States, for example. It's hard to describe the passion for British football there is in the United States right now. I mean, Messi's bought a house down the street from me. I can walk it into Miami. I feel that passion there. Our friends from Hollywood in the north and what they've done. It's created this incredible buzz in this massive U.S. market. And whilst I wouldn't want to dream to copy any of those kind of approaches, there's definitely room for the Newport way. Mm -hmm. Dan and I have media contacts in both our families. We see huge opportunity for exposure. And that's just part of the fun we want to have with Newport County. Excellent. Okay. So John, like obviously you're you're looking at you know, you've seen the inside workings of of how Newport is being, you know, is being run at the moment and you've got a little bit of intel there. But are you looking at elsewhere for you know when you're looking at opportunities for for how you could potentially you know, operate Newport County? Are you looking at other the way that other teams are operating, the way that they're being run for sort of potential, you know, opportunities, potential ideas? Yeah, uh, thank you. And I'd have to thank my partner, Dan, for his incredible diligence in all of these areas. We've looked at other models, both in League Two and other leagues as well. And I think we've learned what we don't want to do. I think we've learned that there's a fabulous story up north, um, but we worry that it's it's temporary. There's uh, the Crawley story, which is, you know, um, I think people fear that the unknown consortium of unknown interest uh, running the club and causing all sorts of pain there. I think... You know, we, we want to focus on what we want to do. And, you know, as I say, it, we're driven by fan passion for the club, um, long-term stability, um, other investors, uh, as much exposure we can for the club, transparency, things that are not necessarily present in any other particular League Two club. So I'd see it as our approach is somewhat unique, but we've most definitely learned from what we probably don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously any, any learnings, any lessons are very important. Either either way. Yeah, so John, um, obviously we're going to hear all about what's going on in the next week, in the next week, as the news sort of filters through. Um, but it'd be remiss of me not to uh, have you coming on a Newport County Fans podcast than not ask you about your experience as a Newport County fan. So you mentioned, obviously, you know, Summerton Park days. Um, do you have any particular game that you really remember uh, do you remember your first game? Do you remember like a particularly like wild yeah, experience in Summerton? I have a very embarrassing first memory. I was a ball boy. Um, and I remember vividly a ball going up and splashing in what seemed to be an ever-present puddle around the side of the field, covering me from head to toe in mud and becoming the biggest entertainment to the crowd. Oh, that certainly felt that way. And I felt the most embarrassed and that moment has stuck with me for Forever. So my first experience at Newport County was a very embarrassing one as a ball boy. Um, as I got older, I, I spent a lot of time on the terraces and, and I traveled a lot with Newport County. Um, you know, the, through the seasons 85 through 88, um, I probably went to 85% of the home games and probably 60% of the away games. That was kind of my core period there. Um, uh, it was kind of a down period towards the end of 88. We, we were, I think it was 89 when we, we, we could, the club went into the conference and essentially folded after that. But those were the years. Those were the tough battling years. I don't, don't have any great memories. Uh, I was at the Calzai Shane again, um, but, but a bit younger. Um, and uh, I can't, no particular game stands out for me. 
Um, I remember more the away trips um, because all the home games seemed to blend into one. Uh, and I certainly love those away trips. Even now, actually, I have an office in Manchester. And fortunately for me, a lot of the League Two away fixtures are in that area. Um, so I spend quite actually probably more time at away games uh, when I travel over to the UK than home games, unfortunately, at the moment. So quite a lot of memories, um, family memories. My brother was a huge fan as well. Uh, my uncle uh, first took me to the game, frozen rain in pies. I remember very vividly, <laughs> kind of cold and dark nights when you were a young child. But um, anybody that lived through Summerlin Park deserves a bit of a medal, really. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, John Pratt. Thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure to have you on the pod. Well, thank you, Jamie. And it's actually a pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much to John Pratt for coming on the pod. And thanks to all of you for listening as usual. Don't forget you can support the pod by donating the price of a coffee at ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com forward slash 1912XRs. There's a link in the show notes. And you can also leave us nice reviews wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with a look at On The Pitch Matters soon. But until then, look after yourselves and each other and keep it counting. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.